Hello, and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. It is October 14th that we're recording this podcast, and what that means is that Election Day is drawing nearer and nearer. Just around the corner. She is upon us, and right. she'll be coming around the mountain. Here she comes, oh. whether you like it or not. So it's really important that we impress upon our listeners what an important time it is to get out there and vote. That's right. Um, it, I actually heard a statistic today that says that Gen Z and millennials are now, this time for the first time in oh. a really long time, making up the largest voting block. I don't doubt it. That's really interesting. It's amazing. And wow. it really, what it means is that everybody's vote counts. Yeah. And that... If you are a millennial or a Gen Zer, which you're likely to be if you're listening to this podcast, or any podcast, that means, or any <laughs> podcast ever, <laughs> because you know what a podcast exactly. is, okay, boomer, <laughs> then you matter and your That's vote right. counts. So if you're interested in voting for progressive candidates in Pennsylvania, we can tell you how to do it. Um, it's really especially important that you do vote if you're in PA because Pennsylvania it's an is an important state. Yeah, it's a really important state. It's what's known as a swing state. And if you don't know what that means, it basically means that if a candidate doesn't win Pennsylvania, he likely won't win the presidency. So Pennsylvania is a state that needs to be on the side of the candidate that you want to win. That's right. So yes, I, th- I think that's totally... A great way to start out this episode is just that reminder to, yes, please register to vote. Please get out there and vote, whether in person, whether by mail, however you're going to do it. Just please get out there and do it. Yes. Contrary to what Donald Trump says, the mail-in votes are perfectly effective. They've been working since the beginning of time. I was going to say, yeah, I saw something. Oh, shoot. I should have written this down. It was like, this has been going on for so many years now, and all of a sudden, obviously, it's getting a lot of attention, but... Like, it's been working fine for however many years, for a while now, so no reason why it would stop working now. And the fact of the matter is, if you can't win, you often cheat, and it turns out that, you know, with the mail-in votes, there would just be a lot more votes, obviously. If people are able to mail in their vote, they're going to be less afraid, and there's not going to be as many issues with coming in to in-person, you know, votes. And what's important about that is to make the realization, make the connection in your mind that, okay, maybe there's some, um, there's an MO behind the Republican Party not wanting people to vote by mail. Well, there's mail. an agenda for everything. I mean, yes. let's be real. Oh, you know, for sure. Everything is a strategy. Everything's, you know, there's everything's going a game. On. Right. But if you in your heart think that you want your vote to be heard, but you're afraid to go to the in-person polls then you should vote by mail. You should feel totally comfortable voting by mail. There's no reason why it won't work. There's no reason why it's not going to get there on time. And if Um, you can't hear somebody else trying to make their voice heard in the background. (laughs) Unfortunately, dogs do not have the right to vote. That's right, or or thankfully so. Thankfully so, because I think this one would vote for himself as president. (laughs) Yes, he would. He would do a write-in. He sure would. Either that or Kanye. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh, for sure. So if you do want to find out more about what district you're in and just a little bit more about kind of how to make your voice heard, you can go to vote411.org. That's a really useful site. Nice. There's also another website that teaches you a little bit more about mail-in voting and just more about the ins and outs of actually voting. It's called cheatsheetforthevotingbooth.com. Again, that's cheat, C-H-E-A-T, sheet, S-H-E-E-T, for the voting booth.com. Is that a four as in the number? Or and that's F-O-R. a four F-O-R. There we um. go. I, that's me. Overanalyze everything. Hey, like, you I never know. know. Hey. You know, I mean, we are millennials. We, we are sure in the are. We're in BRB. <laughs> in the important uh, groups that need to vote. So if you're like us and you want to get out there and make your voice heard, um, please, by all means, use those resources. Yes. Vote411.org or cheatsheetsforthevotingbooth.com. So good little segue there. Yeah, good little segue here between Gen Z and our topic of the day is the fact that our girls, the subject of this story, if yes. they were alive today and if they oh, were yeah. um, killed today, would be Gen Zers. They were Very um, true. Yeah, they were teenagers. They were young teens. Yes, they'd be right in it. Yeah, they would. And you know what? It's funny how fads kind of um, – you know, they come around again, yeah. they they get oh, old, yeah. and then they come back. <laughs> I think I know where you're going. I hope you do, girl, because... The 90s. The 90s, I feel like yogurt, yes. was, especially frozen yogurt, oh, yes. was all the rage. And I don't know about you, but for me, and back in the day, it was TCBY. I was just going to say, oh. all right, okay. TCBY. 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 <laughs> if y'all don't know TCBY, <laughs> I don't know even, if it's... <laughs> what does it even stand for? The country's best yogurt, girl. Oh, there we go. And I don't know if it was a regional thing, but man, TCBY, I don't know when it went out of business either. The new millennium, maybe? I don't know, because I know there was still one at KOP for the long... Like, there used to be one out by me. Like, we would go there. And then that closed down. And there was definitely that one at KOP for a long time. Yeah, we had one in Ardmore at Suburban Square. Yeah, we had one in Malvern out there. And- oh, it was terrific. And frankly, whatever they had then was not the self-serve shit that you have nowadays that became increasingly popular maybe like five years ago. Yeah. Oh, it was like full cream. like It was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, spoiler here, I can't believe it's not yogurt. Oh, yeah, or I can't believe it's yogurt. Yeah, because it's not. It's it's full like cream. Full fat, full cream, <laughs> yeah. full sugar. I mean, that's why it was so damn good. It I think was. everybody went in and they had this preconceived notion about yogurt being oh. healthy. And- well, this was the whole fat-free craze like like, slap a sticker on there and people are like oh it's healthy then and it's like that means nothing at some point we've got to have somebody on who's done like the keto diet or something like that that would be interesting i would love to hear just the evolution of the fat free craze to the high fat craze low sugar carbs all the yeah seriously you know know, it's more like what we go by today it's more like the accepted jargon but back in the day i mean yogurt was just all the yeah, rage. You, you take yogurt to lunch. So like, hey, this is healthy dessert. Exactly. And <laughs> everybody loved it. I mean, it was all it was all the rage. It was so good. It was absolutely delicious. Obviously, they spared no fat content, no sugar content, no, no flavor. It was every bit as good as ice cream. And we always thought of it as ice cream. I mean, we never yeah. said, like, let's go get yogurt. No, I definitely, like, looking at it now, I can see how people in the 90s thought of it. But like... I never thought of it any differently. So here's a here's a local 
you know, whatever establishment. Whenever I go to Rita's, since oh, forever. Rita's water ice, fellas. Yeah, I actually never get water ice, though. I always get the, the custard. custard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, like, I don't know. To me, that's the same thing as TCBY. Like, yeah, it's very similar, that soft serve. Yeah. Um, that was always really good, and they would yes. just, like, stack it up high on the cones, and oh, they yes. put the sprinkles on it. Yep. Um, but yeah, our story takes place actually in the year of my birth, and that was the year of, <laughs> the our, year Lord. of our Lord. <laughs> the year of our Lord, nineteen ninety. Uh, the year of our Lord Scott Disick, <laughs> right? Uh, Lord Disick. Yes. And it was a cold December night in Texas. Um, it was. When, if we want to set the scene, there. God, you're really somber there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i guess in texas it stays pretty hot all year because probably people were still coming for yogurt whereas True. our stores sort of shut down seasonally i know i remember well rita's obviously does but i mean yeah. even aside from that it would always be like oh you want to go get yogurt like, or not yogurt because we didn't call it yogurt you want to go get ice cream or whatever like and they were like are you sure yeah I'm like, it's a little too cold like, meanwhile is it ever too cold no, for dessert it's just a classic 90s parents like oh yeah and i'm like do i want to go get yogurt does a bear shit in the woods yeah is like. the Pope Catholic? Come on. <laughs> Always was down for dessert. Yes. But yeah, so we have these four young girls. They're um, planning on having a sleepover, which RIP sleepovers miss those. Oh, my God. Go for a good sleepover. Yes. And, you know, they're working. Two of them are working at the yogurt store. And two of them are shopping at a nearby mall, which sounds to me like kind I mean, of if, our setup. If that is not so 90s. So 90s. Like, yeah. And ironically, the store was called I Can't Believe It's Yogurt. Yes. Which is ironic because, you know, they were sort of convincing people that it was this healthy yogurty right. stuff. Yeah. When in reality, it's just straight up ice cream. Yeah. Um, I can't believe it's yogurt because it's not. Because it's not yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so we've got these young girls. We've got 13-year-old Amy Ayers, 17-year-old Eliza Thomas, 17-year-old Jennifer Harbison, and her 15-year-old sister, Sarah Harbison. Right. And good God, the stuff that happened on the night of December 6, 1991, it is just crazy. It's scary. So yeah, so we have um, Eliza and Jennifer were the two girls that, and this is kind of what you're talking about too. It's like, oh, just just some underage girls working the night shift at a yogurt shop together. Right. Like, okay, they're going to close up. Yeah, that's fine. Seems totally innocent. No big deal. Um, and then we had um, Sarah, Jennifer's younger sister, like you said, was meeting up with her friend, Amy. They were going to come over, help them clean up you know kind of speed it along there because they wanted to get back home for a sleepover which how innocent is all of this oh like, incredibly although awful. the one part that kind of struck me as weird and i have younger friends older friends whatever but the fact that a 13 year old and a 17 year old would yeah. spend time to get i mean this must have been a very cool 13 year old well i she was friends with sarah's or with jennifer's younger sister sarah but even she was 15 right and i was like okay i could see if like you're on a border of a birthday like she just turned 15 she's about to turn 14 type of thing right but it's still just like yeah that did kind of surprise me too an age gap there yeah but i guess before we get to the actual event there Mm -hmm. are a couple kind of timeline events leading up to this that are kind of important let's do it so um eliza and jennifer as we said were working at the at the shop there and this was before amy and sarah had arrived 
So starting at 9.30, between 9.30 and 10 p.m., we have the two girls working there, and we had this man named Daryl Croft, who um, he's a former military policeman. He actually owned a security company at the time and drove this car that, which kind of threw me a little bit. It looked like a cop car, apparently, with, like, the lights on it, which, like, sketchy. A little yeah. weird that you're still driving that. Yeah, Either, like, like, trying to relive the glory days or, or trying to impersonate a, a cop. crime and pull yeah. people over. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um, this is kind of where it kicks off with people starting to see stuff that's suspicious in the yogurt shop here. Um, so, again, 9.30 to 10 is kind of when he arrives, and he goes into the store and he sees two young men in there. And one of the young men is actually in line and being a major creep, telling everybody, oh, go ahead of me. Go ahead of me. Go ahead what of me. What a weirdo. Can you really not decide? Yeah. Like, is it going to be butter pecan or rum raisin? Because right. obviously you're going to get some fucked up old man flavor, you of weirdo. Course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pistachio, which is good, but still. But still. Yeah. Um. But anyway, he saw the car that Daryl was driving, and he asked him, are you a cop, too? Which is a little bit sketchy. A little unusual. Yeah, Daryl said no. Hmm. Um, and so, again, this little creepy man said, all right, well, go ahead of me in the line. <laughs> um, Join the rest of the group that ahead. I let in go front ahead. of me. But Daryl actually declined and said, no, I'm fine. You go ahead. And so he kind of forced this guy to you know, go up and make an order. And he went up and just ordered a can of Coke, like a, a soda. Like a sociopath. Yeah, like a creep and a half. Like, let me decide, decide, decide. Mm, Actually, Coke. I'll just take a Coke. Yeah. Um, he but, did it. He did. I, I think so. Uh-huh. But um, so then he, so he orders his soda, but then immediately pretty much like walks behind the counter and walks to the back of the uh, yogurt shop and... Daryl actually, I think, knew the girls, which, again, this sounds so creepy. I don't think he's Daryl's, you know, doing anything nefarious. But he knew some of the girls, apparently, from a gym that they all went to. I don't know. He he recognized them. It was a smaller town back then in Austin. Um, But he asked. It was Eliza working the counter. And he said, where'd that guy go? And she said, oh, he wanted to use the bathroom, so I told him to go ahead and go to the back. Ugh. Creepy. Give him access to the yeah. whole yogurt Please, store. Please, go, go. Please. What is he going to put in the yogurt? Yeah. Oh, that's a great point, too. Yeah, this is before uh, the anthrax scare. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, anthrax Which, meanwhile, flavor. we're approaching Halloween, and do you, I mean, I'm sure oh, this is a great your topic. parents I know made where you're going. you... Cut open all your candy. Where are those razor blades? Yep. Look for the razor <laughs> blades and the anthrax. And oh. the parents had to like wash down our candy. Oh, we, yeah. We had to dump the bags on the kitchen table. And, yep. Go know. through them all. Like yeah. as if you're going to find the anthrax and not just be dead right. if a cloud of anthrax pops out and gets yeah. you. Not to mention, like, I don't think they're going around with domestic terrorism plots for 10-year-olds going <laughs> trick-or-treating. Oh, like mainline neighborhood. Yeah, they're I don't coming think after you. they're not going to go after America's children. They're not going to yeah. go after a Philadelphia <laughs> suburb, that's for sure. Yeah. But, oh, it doesn't yeah. matter because the parents were on that, oh, like, yeah, flies on shit. Yeah, you can't eat anything until we look at it. Can't have a damn Nothing. thing. Nope. No. And, yeah, you'd have to sit there while they sifted through all <laughs> yes. of it and, like, went through it in sections. Oh, 
God. Yes. Ugh. And yeah. now, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with COVID. Like, I was wondering that spray too. down all the candy. Are, are they, they not going to let kids it? go? Yeah. Well, I've heard some people are making like candy shoots out of PVC piping. Stop it. So they're going to like stand at their doorway and the kid's going to be like six <laughs> feet away or whatever. And they're going to shoot the candy smart, down through but... the thing. Yeah. I don't know. But still, like, I don't know. There's still a lot of touching involved. You got to ring the doorbell. I, I mean, agree. I know we have the, the, the um, I want to call them Zoom cams. It's not the. Uh, oh, yeah. The ring lights. Ring. Yeah. The, the, ring, the ring cams. <laughs> the ring, yeah. The ring doorbells and stuff. So it'll alert you someone's there. But like, I don't know. You're still tracking stuff all over. Like, oh, I know. I don't know. It but. makes me very worried. And also, I mean, I just think. Our neighborhood, the neighborhood that I live in in South Philadelphia, is pretty old school, pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like old Italian families. You know, they've owned Been the houses forever. through the generations, and they aren't the group that's going to believe in COVID. So I no, think they're going to be out. Children, they'll be out. Oh yeah, and the kids are going to be out and down to clown. So I'm like, damn, do I buy a big vat of candy and just that's stick it out true. there? Yeah you don't want to be that neighbor you don't that jerk i mean that's what we would always think like driving by when you know there'd be that one dark house yes don't be a dick it's halloween come on come on have a little fun come on buddy live a little yeah but you know who didn't have fun (laughs) (laughs) um no but pretty much so daryl wasn't having fun wondering here about where this guy had gone to He, he waited around a little bit because he just felt weird about this creeper. Um, the guy didn't come back. And then Daryl, you know, felt like he was a creeper himself. So he ended up leaving before the guy even came back from the bathroom. So Ugh. guess he assumed he was dropping a deuce or something. Yeah, we know a couple dogs over here that like to do like that. Like to drop deuces. <laughs> Somebody who peed three times on the bed and pooped once. <laughs> And but, but don't worry, now he's asleep on a bed. Yeah, don't worry, now he's happy as a clam, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's just exhausted from all of that pooping yes, and all peeing. that defecation. All that lovely <laughs> defecation station. He is the devil, yes. and, ugh, so, yeah, dog tips, if anybody has them, come at me with them. Cause yeah, we're still looking for some penis toupee uh, yeah, answers Yeah, aficionados, week. come on, yeah, people. Yeah, come on. You're not as responsive as you used to be, yeah, come on. Yeah, let's get at it. Um, somebody else who's not as responsive or another couple. So after Daryl left, this is, these are kind of the two, uh, sightings, I guess. So we first have Daryl seeing these individuals and then, um, not long after he left, this older couple came in and this was around, I don't know, like 1030 maybe. Meanwhile, how late are these people coming out for yogurt? Who are these people that are coming past whatever to right? like get yogurt? Good Lord. Yeah. Like who's like, uh, especially an older couple. Why aren't they in bed? Yeah. It's past your bedtime, Grandpa Joe. Yeah. So they came in and they saw this couple, not couple, I guess, these two men together in a booth in the corner. They also got kind of a weird feeling about them, but... They ended up just kind of leaving then around 1045, and these were pretty much the last people to be in the yogurt shop, see any of these people um, before everything kind of went down. So before getting into the kind of next events, did want to give a description of what both Daryl and this older couple said about these two men together. They said that both of them were kind of in their late 20s, early 30s. One man was kind of a a darker 
complexion, I guess you would say, darker hair at least. The other man was, um, he had lighter hair, about um, five, six, again, both of them, 20s, late 20s, early 30s. One man was a bit bigger, but both had these kind of big oversized coats on. One was an army fatigue-like coat. The other was just a black jacket. But they were last seen sitting in this booth in the corner of the yogurt shop. Yeah, you know, just ordering a soda. Right. And sitting there. Super normal. The huge. So again, the older couple left. And now we're just about at 11 p.m. Oof. Okay, like, let's just let a bunch of teens close on up. Yeah, with no supervision. No, no, we got two 17-year-olds that are the people in charge. So Sarah and Amy arrived just a a little bit before 11, again, from the mall, so 90s, um, and they're helping clean up. And when they come in, it's kind of um, standard for them to close and, and lock up the door at 11 so that anybody can leave the yogurt shop but nobody else can come in so they flipped the close sign um but they gave the customers that were still in the store you know time to finish up eating their yogurt and so um after this again it was just them and these creepy men in there and then we have at 11 o'clock p.m on the um, cash register, we had the no sale button was pushed on the register, meaning that it was opened, but there wasn't a sale taking place. Mm-hmm. So this is the first sign of something. Something gone awry. Sketchy going on. Oh, yeah. And then after that, we get to the next event, which is <laughs> places on fire. Yes. Yeah, so basically shortly before midnight that night, This Austin cop sees a fire coming from the yogurt shop and he's like, what the hell's going on here? He reports it and all of a sudden, you know, so the fire gets extinguished. The fire company shows up, they put the fire out and, you know, the fire is, you know, successfully taken down along with potential evidence Um, and Amidst the rubble and the destroyed kind of yogurt store and everything like that, the firefighters found four naked bodies, each of which got shot in the back of the head execution style. Awful. They found Sarah with her hands bound behind her with her panties so skeevy. She was gagged and raped. Jennifer wasn't bound, but her hands were behind her back. Eliza was gagged with her hands tied. And all three of these were severely charred, and they were all shot in the back of the head, like I said. The only one that kind of was an outlier was Amy's body, which was even worse. And this one was found in a separate part of the shop. She wasn't charred, but she had second and early third degree burns on like a quarter of her body. And she had this sock-like cloth around her neck. And she was shot the exact same way as the other girls, but the bullet didn't hit her brain. Then there was this other bullet that did do severe damage to the brain. So clearly it was a hit and a miss. Um, And it's thought that the killer stacked the four bodies on top of each other, kind of in the corner, but that Amy, the one who was separate from the rest, must have pulled herself off of the pile crawled into another part of the store to try to escape um, and kind of met her fate there. Yeah. And Sarah and Eliza's bodies were stacked on top of each other when they were found. Jennifer's body was sort of next to them, kind of on the side, but 
they're thinking that it likely got you know disturbed when amy crawled away or the water or something or the, the water yeah blew yeah. it kind of off to the side um and the autopsy results from these girls show high levels of a btu output and that suggests that there was an accelerant used yeah. to make the fire um go even crazier so clearly arson here and the one kind of saving grace is that it is believed, based on the autopsy, that the girls did die before the fire started. Um, but, man, I mean, what a way to I go. Know. Well, apparently all of them, except for Amy, she was apparently still alive when they showed up, too. Oof. But, you know, didn't didn't live much beyond that. But a couple things about Amy's situation and then just the... First of all, the fire in general. So I don't know what to make of this as to whether it's kind of amateur or what. But once they stacked the bodies on top of each other, they pulled a bunch of styrofoam cups and kind of threw lighter fluid all over them, threw them on the bodies to create this fire. And then with Amy's situation, this is really pivotal I guess so everyone was shot those first execution style shots were from a 22 caliber gun but Amy the second shot actually came from a 38 caliber gun mm-hmm. so that coupled with the description of seeing these two men in the store you have to think two guns two men you yep. know it probably was at least two killers in there so it's all this kind of evidence but yet the um cops have actually did a really bad job of preserving the evidence too so yeah yeah it wasn't just the the fire and the water and stuff they even after that did a a pretty poor job of you know capturing different evidence and whatnot yeah it sounds like at the time austin didn't have um much forensic experience at all there was only one fingerprint unit and there was only one homicide investigator that was like on shift the night of the murders so they were kind of short-staffed yeah you know generally would have probably not had the expertise to go through the evidence and really tackle this um but that coupled with the fact that the firemen probably washed away a lot of forensic oh, sure. evidence just, you know, didn't do anything for figuring this out. Yeah. No, so they they could have taken fingerprints in so many different locations. Um, they did not take them. So they took them from the cash register, but they didn't take them from the bathroom where we know this guy probably went. Mm-hmm. Um they also this is this is one of the things this is a crazy weird little detail but um there was a bunch of trash there trash bags and they didn't go through any of the trash bags they just threw them away got rid of them why and there's this incredible case it's the browns chicken massacre um that occurred in 1993 was it only chickens who were massacred uh you know (laughs) it was actually uh it happened on a purdue uh (laughs) no i'm kidding um i guess it was some fast food restaurant and so this happened in 1993 they collected the trash and god they found a like half-eaten chicken leg and in 2002, they were actually able to DNA test it and found the killers. Wow. Yeah. And so that's what I think of. Like, that would have been incredible if... And probably really easy to get that evidence. Yes. Because they were sitting there eating, drinking, doing whatever. Exactly. Where's that Coke can? Uh-huh. Where's that can of Coke? <laughs> yeah. Come on, buddy. Ugh. Yeah. So they, they did a pretty poor job of um, preserving a lot of evidence. But they did get some 
swabs of DNA, which not to get too much ahead of ourselves. So they did get a little bit of evidence. But before getting into that, I do just want to give one last point that the cops thought the motive at first may have been um, robbery. Right. And as we know, I mean, isn't it one of our cardinal rules? It's never a robbery gone wrong. It's never a robbery (laughs) gone wrong. So, you know, we keep that in mind every time. And obviously there's exceptions to every rule. But I don't know. I just feel like it's never a robbery gone wrong. We've never seen it. Although I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I think this one could have been a robbery. Really? So this this got me annoyed in every podcast or documentary. So $540 was stolen from the register. Not much at all. No. But then they point to the fact that there was a bank bag right under the register that was left behind. So clearly it couldn't have been a robbery. But my thought is these these criminals had to have told one of the girls open the cash register. They're not going to be able to do the no no sale cash open thing and so if they're not behind the counter and not seeing like i saw pictures of this bag is like right under the counter under the register if they're not there behind the register opening it they're not going to see the bag and they're probably not going to think there is a bag yeah and they're not gonna who would think that yeah like oh and don't forget the bag under the register yeah don't forget to take everything out from around the register and And if there's any giant bags of money that happen to be laying around like so to me i i think it it could especially if these are young men that are in their like 20s right they're not they're stupid they're They're stupid they're like oh well this is you know they're not looking for the big you know bank robbery like no they're going for the cash (laughs) register i wouldn't be surprised if you know they were thinking there would be a couple thousand dollars at most and that was going to be enough for them so i think it could have been going against my own advice here it could have been a a robbery gone wrong do we when we say gone wrong and when we say robbery i mean there's no way we don't think that they could have started this off as hey i just want to rob a place right and turned into let's kill four people and burn the place to the ground so that's always the theory is that like there's so many murder cases where it's like they ransack usually a home and it's like they pulled out drawers to make it look like a robbery gone right. wrong. And it's really they just were like in there to kill the wife and were trying to make it look like a robbery right. that they encountered the wife, didn't expect her to be home and then killed her. Um, and so I think this truthfully could have been a robbery gone wrong. Wow. I think I it just, could have. I don't I know. I mean, what makes me crazy about it is like I have trouble – because your motive when you're committing a robbery is obviously to get some money, right? right. It's not to do something really fucked up and like the kill a rape bunch of people. Too. Yeah. The rape. So what makes me think, how could it be a robbery? Unless it was always going to be like, let's just do fucked up shit in this right. store right. and take some money while we're in here. Yeah. Um, I just don't see like a robber turning into a rapist killer. I, and that's arsonist. the argument too. I can totally see that. I, I can totally see that. Oof. It's fascinating, but... Yeah. Mm. But, I mean, you have to think, too, like, if these were young men, maybe they even looked older than they were, and they were really in their late teens, early 20s, let's say. Right. What if the two girls recognized them and could identify them? One of them said something. You know what I mean? They were just there to rob them. One of them said, I'm gonna, you know, uh, they're gonna get you. I'm gonna, you know, Report whatever. You or whatever. And then it just kind of like escalated from there. It, it could go either way. Yeah, that's it a really thought. Could. That really is. I don't know. 
But yeah, either way, it's it's pretty awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, you know, you're just in a, the wrong yogurt store at the wrong time. And yeah, I this can't, happens. I to can't you. believe I'm here serving yogurt. And, yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but um, it really did shake the whole Austin community. It, in everything I've I've listened to and watched, like. They're like, oh, Austin was a small town at this time, which, which just seems hard to so even imagine weird. with everything going on in Austin now, Austin yeah. city limits and everything like that. I mean, it's very weird. Yeah, I can't picture it being I a can't small either. town. I guess it was, though. Like, yeah, that's what everyone kind of said. But um, so th- there were the funeral was held on December 10th, 1991. And again, keep in mind that they're saying it's a smaller town too but there were apparently 1500 people that attended the services for these four girls so it really did have an effect on the community sure did and it had an effect on in not such a great way um on the number of false confessions oh my god this is crazy i mean this is maybe getting a little ahead but no no apparently over 50 people confessed to the yogurt shop murders (laughs) including these two mexican nationals who were being held by mexican authorities who are these people and why literally people were coming out of the woodwork to confess to murder why 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 like anybody please just you know why yeah well and in those in those 50 plus they even had six written confessions that were false which so it wasn't even people like talking about it like oh yeah i did it like there were the time to write that wrote it they wrote a damn manifesto about (laughs) doing it yeah like i just don't know who these people are they should be locked up for other reasons because there is something wrong there there is something wrong there and also you're clearly you're delaying justice yeah you're wasting resources yeah you're wasting everybody's time it's just it's not right no it's pretty bad um so it pretty much went cold after that. Yeah, I mean, so there were a couple different suspects. The case kind of goes cold, and um, there was this known serial killer that was in the area named Kenneth Allen McDuff, and um, he had a history of all these different murders involving teenagers, mm. um, but then he ended up getting rolled out of the crime, and he was put to death in November of 98. Wow. Um, And then I guess 1999 was when we had the four different suspects getting arrested in uh, Texas and West Virginia. Yes. So it's interesting. So these four guys, before getting to the 1999, they actually were questioned not long after, eight days after the murder. So because of the description and all this stuff, the cops really thought it was young people. So they were targeting, you know, trying to investigate and interview young people. And, of course, where else do you go but the mall? Right? The local watering hole. Yes. So they found these four men. Um, it was Michael Michael Scott. <laughs> I know. I love that. Uh, Robert Springsteen. Robert Springsteen. Not to be confused names. with Bruce. Yeah. Um, it was Forrest Wellborn, Wellborn, mm-hmm. and Maurice Pierce. Yes, so all young, all between twenty three and twenty five. Well, that um, was in nineteen ninety nine. At the time, they were even yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. So they were they were young people, and they found him at the mall, and um, they actually had a gun, a twenty two caliber that, you know, a twenty two caliber was used in the murder, but it actually did not. The ballistics did not match, so kind of went cold. They were let go. And then in 1999, they resurface. 
Yeah. And my God, the whole thing was a mess. Very much so. So basically, at first, I guess the prosecution said at one of the hearings that DNA evidence in the case got tested against more than 70 people, including the four guys who were up on the stand and failed to match. So the charges got dropped against Mr. Wellborn and um, Mr. Pierce. So then the only charges left were the ones against Michael Scott and (laughs) Springsteen. And those went to trial. But the problems with the investigation were just insane so yeah, it was a mess there were all these internal issues with the austin police department there was this one detective named hector polanco and he got fired for basically coercing confessions yeah and that's a pretty you know pertinent relevant very crime. much so, yeah um so then there was this relationship between springsteen's dad and a data processor working oh. at the police department um, the dad was apparently like hooking up with this lady, oh, Karen, who, uh, of course it's yeah, Karen, <laughs> right. Who processed all the data and it ended up causing her to need to transfer. Wow. Then Polanco, the guy who coerced confessions yes. was brought back because he no. sued the city for discrimination on race. Oh my God. And get this. Eventually he got promoted and he retired with a full pension. Whoa. So... Later down the line, he was also involved in coercing a false confession in a previous murder case. Not good. And that person, that would-be murderer, ended up getting falsely imprisoned, oh right? My because God. he yeah. got a, you know, confession coerced out of him. His name was Christopher Okoa, and there was another fellow named Richard Danziger, and they both got brought into jail. They were released after 13 years in prison. Jeez. But get this. Danziger was assaulted in prison, ended up with permanent brain damage. Oh, my God. So this guy, this Hector Polanco, just had a ton of issues going back and forth. Yeah. It caused a lot of problems with the evidence. All this is going on subsequent to, you know, and during this situation with Scott and Springsteen. Nobody really knows what's up. The evidence is weak to begin with. The analysis team is weak. And then we've got this shit going on internally. Yeah. No, it was it was really pretty much just their confessions that the, that was the evidence. And that's why the cases were dropped um, against the other two individuals, because there really was no evidence. So what ended up happening was that Scott and Springsteen went on trial in Travis County and Springsteen was convicted for capital murder, sentenced to death. And Scott was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to life in prison. And it eventually, it finally in 2007, so... Which, imagine, uh, so long down the road, 16 years later. Like, it's just, it's insane. Um, The case got dismissed because it was pretty much on the basis that the confessions against each other were the only evidence, and you have the right to confront your accuser. And because... In both of their cases, the other individual was not put on the stand and able to be cross-examined. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of thrown out from there. So at this point, it's really on the DA to say whether or not they want to go back and retry the case. Right. And so at this point, 
the DA, they're thinking they've got a slam dunk here because they're like, oh, well, we've got some new technology. We've got DNA here that we can go and test. Mm -hmm. And we're going to compare it to you. And we're very confident that it's going to match you. Mm -hmm. Guess what? It didn't. Did not (laughs) match any of them. Great. Yeah. So really good. And... They still stood behind the fact they're like, well, that just means that there must have been a fifth man involved. Like, it's so stupid. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It just, come on. You're really shooting blanks here. Yes. And grasping at straws. Anything that'll stick. It's just ridiculous. And so they did not end up retrying them. And it. You know, all along, the parents of these girls felt that they had the right men. So even after they got out, that was very difficult because they really thought that they had the right individuals for the crime. Oh, yeah. And for the charges to just be dropped that way. And, you know, so far after, almost 20 years down the road. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Must be so disappointing. It's pretty awful. So it really kind of was at a standstill until just recently actually in february before before coronavirus was yeah right really before. the crazy thing that we know it is today and it went back and, and pretty much revealed that in 2008 there was new testing that pulled this dna and it identified it as what's called ystr mm-hmm. dna this is interesting. It's funny because you have more of a like bio background uh-huh. than I do. But Yeah, it's serving me well now. Yeah, well, I know a little bit just based on all these <laughs> shows I've watched. So this is the patrilineal, I guess, side of the – it's your uncle, it's your father, it's – All your male relatives. All, all the male relatives, whereas uh, the mitochondrial DNA is, is the female maternal side, and that's kind of the more – accepted um standardized kind of there's much more out there right now about being able to trace that and so having this type of dna is a lot harder to work with yes and it's sad because basically everybody got really excited about this new dna they couldn't wait to kind of use this tried and true testing form in order to nail you know, down who did this and right. who's responsible. And, you know, you could find all their relatives and that would track down the perpetrator. They've got it. They've exactly. got the profile. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> things did not work oh, the way. It's just frustrating after frustrating situations. Yes. Just all these like holdups, yeah. these standoffs, uh, just terrible. So, Essentially, you know, they were really hopeful that this discovery was going to lead the investigation to a final close. And what happened instead was a three-year fight between the local prosecutors and the FBI. And it's this huge argument about how federal law should be interpreted, how privacy protections should be used, and to just how science should be used as to the significance of this new DNA testing. Right. Um, It's big, big controversy. And it's just really sad because it basically kept everything in a standstill and, you know, created the the idea that maybe, you know, you couldn't use this evidence. Like, yeah, there's all this great evidence. It's right there at your fingertips. There's you know, this trusted true form of DNA tracking and 
oh, you can't even use it because of these privacy concerns. Yeah. Well, what's what's I think the most frustrating about it. So I obviously I followed the Golden State Killer case, which is kind of the golden the golden, golden example of um, this whole ancestral DNA tracking and these databases and using that type of thing. But most of these are through the maternal side, the mitochondrial DNA. So there's not really many databases out there that have a big bank, I guess, of male DNA uh, through this, you know, that it could be compared against. And there actually is one database that is Florida-based, I guess, and it was run, the the DNA was run through this, and it actually got a match. Mm-hmm. And the person was linked to a profile that could have between hundreds to thousands of male family members. So it's it's still a lot that you have to weed through, but it's something. And it's a lot less than, yeah, you know, just going exactly. from nothing. It's more, much more than they've had, you know, for how many years now? Right. Um, but like you were saying, the FBI said that they are not allowed to release this information about what this match, what this hit was. Uh, because when this DNA database was set up, it was set up with a disclaimer saying that the information was pretty much just used for, I guess, study-based information. And it no personal identifiers could be used. So all donors were to remain anonymous. Right. Which is so frustrating because you know they've got a match out there. Oh, of course. But, you know, you can't use it. Yep. So that's kind of where it stands now, I think. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it seems pretty clear, you know, who did it. I I don't know. I really wonder, though. I mean, if, I don't know. But it didn't match them, though. Yeah, it didn't match them. I just wonder, I don't know. I think it's got to be somebody semi-local. Especially if it was a, like, smaller town, how they, you know, called it back then, to be familiar with. It's just kind of the whole situation. Like, they had to have kind of staked it out a little bit. Yeah, the, and the built trust and stuff like that. I wonder, um, what did the cop who, the ex-cop, did he end up getting involved past that night, just noticing? So, this this was another fumble of the uh, police department there in Austin, I don't think they, if I remember correctly, they didn't interview these individuals until way later, if at all. And I don't Uh, think they even have ever asked them to do like police sketches or anything. Oh my God. Why wouldn't you? Which is just so dumb. That's dumb. Just so dumb because, so there were 52 people uh, who were interviewed, who were in the yogurt shop to that day. And there were on- the only two people that they could not identify to interview were these two men. Uh-oh. Yeah. And another kind of, it had to have been these, whoever these two men are, is, again, when a cold case investigator was looking back through the original photographs, they had a picture. And if you look at it, all of the tables had the chairs flipped up on them. And the napkin dispensers, like, moved away or whatever because, again, the girls were cleaning up. And then the only one that didn't was this, like, booth in the corner. And it was the booth that both the the elderly... Yeah, that the creepers were creeping in. Yes! Yeah, so it's just, like, 
it's so obvious that it had to have been whoever these two men were. Mm-hmm. But it's like, who were these who the two men? Who were they? Yeah. Right. It just, it's very frustrating because it's, there were a lot of clues out there at the time. And I think it was just, the cops were not equipped to handle this type of situation, this type of case. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's hopeful that they've had this hit with the DNA, but it's also really frustrating that, it took this long that it's And that they're so... stuck now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you're into Halloween as much as we are, and if you're as disappointed about Halloween being essentially canceled this year, tune in next week because we've got a Halloween special for you. Ooh, spoopy. Ooh. <laughs> um, it's going to be on the 27th of October, so the Tuesday before Halloween. We'll get you all geared up for Halloween and for sending out your candies and your tubes or whatever you're planning on doing yes. for the children this year. Um, we hope everybody has a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening.